Welcome again, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour, with your co-host, Richard Geiger. Hello. Today we have a very special guest with us to uh, speak with us at length uh, on a variety of topics. No, not really. Probably just one or two topics, but... uh, Uh, You may or may not know this individual. His name is David Wong. He is an artist. He is a convention staple, you could say. He is is a man of the people, uh, somebody that that, uh, you will recognize if you go to any sort of convention. Um, Thank you for joining us, David. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Well, um... Some of our listeners probably are not really convention goers, so I kind of wanted to start off by just giving a little bit of, uh, having you give a little bit of uh, history, kind of where you come from, what sure. what got you into this. I mean, you're currently mm-hmm. in California. Are you originally Correct. from California? I'm um, originally from California. I still am in California, originally from Sacramento, California, born and raised, and I transplanted to Los Angeles, Orange County, California. That is uh, definitely a beautiful area that I don't get to visit. Oh, yes, it is. There's a reason why I wanted to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. So, so as, as an artist, um, to kind of give just a little bit of uh, history, sure. how I ran into you a number of years ago, uh, Gen Con is a major gaming convention that occurs in Indianapolis currently, uh, originally in Wisconsin that uh, uh, focuses predominantly on a variety of games, but they also make sure to have a wide array of artists and authors. And uh, early on, I ran across you, and you did a custom piece of work for me. Oh, uh, I did? Yes, you did. Uh, Thanos <laughs> and Lady Death. And, oh, yes, uh, I remember that. I do, yes. Yes, and uh, so ever since that time, I always try to, uh, anytime that I can, come back and... And uh, and visit just a little bit. So, what I wanted to start out with your your style is very much um, pliable, from what I've seen. To a, a, oh, a variety. I've never called it. I never heard it called that, but it sounds really. It, that sounds like a great compliment. I like that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a, a variety of styles. I've shown uh, some pieces here. Tell me, how did you get your training? I'm traditional. Uh, I'm a traditional artist. Uh, got most of my training in high school and college. Uh, but basically, word of mouth. Basically, I started as a kid. I, rem- I knew I wanted to be an artist. Uh, I remember being five years old, drew my first straight line, had to show my grandmother, my father, everybody. And then it just, the bug stuck till high school. And then I found out that drawing meant money, uh, a little popularity, and actually meeting girls. So I was like, okay, <laughs> let's just keep doing this. And I just stuck. It just never went away and just never did. That is always a good motivator. At least I, I, yes, I found it to be. Money and girls. I mean, what, what more motivation do you need, right? Oh, yes. Especially when you're a young kid and going, oh, this girl will give me a phone number if I draw her. Okay, <laughs> sure, I'll just do that. And then I realized there were conventions. So, and as I was doing conventions, the money started coming. Okay, it was so, better than working a nine-to-five job. It just was better. You got, it was you, more fun. Oh, yeah. A lot more fun. Yeah, you got into the conventions early then, so you didn't like start in as a graphic artist for somebody first or do something? No, I was doing the tattoo designs and logo designs back in college, and I did my first convention, I think I was 23, and it was a total bust. I mean, there was like six dealers, two artists, sat there for six hours, made no money, 
and had the greatest fun time for six hours. And I thought, I'll just do this again. And then the money started coming. Hmm. So, so you do, you do these conventions, which conventions did you start at? And did you still go to them? I started with most, let's see, mostly gaming shows like DungeCon. Uh, Gen Con was actually one of my first ones. I actually got in back in 1996, and it was my first, I think, flight show. I had to fly to Milwaukee, and I, it just stuck. I just loved it. I made friends there. It was getting out of the house. It was getting me out of the state, and I've never been to Milwaukee I enjoyed it. I hung out with a bunch of friends. I even stayed a couple of days afterwards after the show. And I go, you know, I think I can do this as a traveling job every weekend. And I just made it into a, a business that just stuck. And I just have a great time going to a convention every weekend, making money, doing artwork, having fun with the kids and all that stuff. And just loving it. Just absolutely loving it. I, I, for any artist out there, I say try it at least once in your life, at least once. Well, it seems like a lot of fun. Every time I see you at the conventions, you tend to have a, a good number of individuals surrounding you. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. I got my fans. I got my, I, I'm, I'm pretty modest. I got my, my little host of fans that actually follow me around, and it's a great time to see them again. And they're always looking for the newest piece I've done, and they're always asking for the most uniquest projects. I go, God, you just can't, I'm never bored. That's the great thing about being in this field. I'm never bored. So, um, in in our research and trying to mm. trying to piece together anything that we could and and looking mm. at, it, it appears that maybe you've also done some comic book work at some point. I have worked briefly for Bloodfire Comics. I did a small stint with Marvel, nothing big. Uh, let's see, I worked with Tim Vigil for a while from Faust Comics. Uh, he was my first boss. Uh, didn't last very long. Um, that was back, oh God, 1994, 95. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but basically I'm more of a gaming artist. I did a lot of games for people. Uh, Gen Con was one of the sources. I basically drew interior art for a lot of people and did some covers. But other than that, um, I'm here and there published, but not too much, not too much lately because the cons take up most of my life. Oh, I can imagine that I could do that. I saw a couple mm-hmm. titles of... That I, I I tend to read a lot of comic books, and I did not recognize. I these still titles. do, like a little kid. I still do. Yeah, so yeah, just a Kindergoth, huh? Not sure what that is. Yeah, yeah, that was a very interesting book. Uh, oh my god! Basically, I think what it was about. I did it like eleven years ago. Oh, it's blanking on me right now. It was it's it's a well received book by Bloodfire Comics, and they let me do eleven page stit. And it got well received. It was printed. I was very happy about that. The boss was very happy about it. And that's a little feather in my hat, my cap. Well, that's always kind of neat. Did that allow you to kind of do you? I'm always I'm always curious, especially with artists, because mm. a lot of times artists not exactly run in packs, but they often just by the nature hang in the same circles. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. I, I most of the shows I do. I hang out with about maybe five or six artists on a regular basis. We even room together, hang out, have dinner together. And a lot of, I know a lot of Marvel and DC artists personally. I may not hang out with them and, you know, go to brunch with them, but I do see them at shows on a regular basis. And it's great to see your idols that you've been following for like 25 years. George Perez, Alan Davis, 
a lot of the new kids that are doing DC and Marvel that have been in the industry for like five or six years, I go, I've been following your Spider-Man series. I love it. Absolutely. Um, it's just great to meet the talent out there and really motivate you too. And you start seeing what they're doing and you see how excited they are to work on a new series or a new movie. I'm going, I want to do that. I really, really want to do that. And it just keeps motivating me. That's why I had to take that nap earlier because I'm going to be up all night working on projects for, for Dragon Con, which is next week. So uh, you had mentioned that you do a lot of these conventions. If you just had a, a guess every year, how many of these things do you, do you think you visit? You I know. think I'm at 46 right now. For, just year. just for just for like you think on average per year? Yeah, uh-huh. almost every weekend's a show. I don't have a lot in December. A few, I got a few in November. Uh, it's a slow uh, during Christmas. It gets slow, so I would say I'm off maybe five weekends, maybe six weekends for the whole year. Every weekend I'm gone. I'm gone in Hawaii in 48 hours. I leave for Dragon Con next week on Thursday. And then I'm off to Rose City in Portland, and then Houston. So that pretty much takes you to all the all the corners of the <laughs> country. Now, yes, do very you? Much so. And I've been to Paris too. I was going to say, are there any international ones that you try to attend? Maybe once a year. Well, I haven't done too much international. Uh, I did Paris for the first time six, seven years ago, and I loved it. Um, but I haven't had a chance to do Europe yet because um, the American shows take up a lot of my time. They yes. usually tend to have the same weekends, so they conflict. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that many conventions, yes. how do you stave off the likelihood? I mean, anybody doing something can sometimes get a little burnt out. Or d- does it just drive you, the fact that you're going to be at these conventions all the time? I think it drives me. Um, I'm probably the one of the older artists in the artist alley or in the dealer's room at most shows and people are surprised of my age I'm over 50 and I've been doing it a long time and kids are like going how do you do this I goes, you just get used to it it's like a job you just get used to it and it doesn't help it doesn't hurt that it's a job that you love and you get to travel and meet people I mean shows have given me everything I wanted from my apartment to my wife that was now my ex-wife uh that's a joke right there uh itself um but i have a great time doing shows i love to travel i love it and this gives me a good excuse to travel abroad and see everything i wanted to do so um if if you've not ever been to a a gaming convention or any convention for that matter and Uh you've not been on a, a convention for I'm just going to give kind of a, a, a descriptive visual of what you can expect if you're going to see David <laughs> set up. So uh, it's like a circus. It is. So <laughs> on on any sort of a main floor, you would expect you know I've got a table or two. Uh, generally, I see you in a corner uh, whenever mm-hmm. possible, so that you can get the entire angle of the floor. And yes. For what about ten feet up? Uh, 10 feet across, 12 feet across. Uh, my display is about 12 to 15 feet tall. Uh, and I'm like a little trained monkey running back and forth behind <laughs> my table. Talking about 40 examples, people. 40 examples hanging, several books on the actual tables themselves, flip through catalogs, oh. everything like that. And you do commissioned artwork as well. Mm. 
Yes. If you're doing 46 cons a year, how do you find time to do commissioned artwork? Or is it a smaller piece? You tell me. Piece? You hmm. tell me. Believe me. I've, I, I started doing over 40 shows maybe less than 10 years ago. I was doing like close to 20, maybe 25. And then the shows got better. And you keep adding more shows. And then you realize, wow, I'm gone every weekend. And to make it work... I mean, to, to find time to work, I mean, I, the time I find to sleep, I sleep on planes. Hmm. That's, my, that's my energy before a show. I have to sleep on a plane. And then when I get back, I sleep, and then I still work every day. Even when I land, even jet lag, I have a project due. So between working for various companies and doing private projects and doing conventions, you tell me how to do a schedule. <laughs> oh, believe me, I'll listen to you. Believe me. It's a work in progress, constantly. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, currently 11 o'clock at night. Uh, I got about six hours of drawing time before I have to hit the hay. Then I have to get up and pick up printing and do some more work. So you you say, okay, pick up printing. So you you have some local uh, source there that you will actually send them to and do like that? Yes, I have. I had a meeting with them today, so therefore they're printing somewhere about 2,000 prints for me, getting me ready for the next five shows. Oh, wow. So oh, those yeah. are, are those the ones then, because I, I was kind of more interested too from the business side of it. When you say there's commissioned artwork, then you're at the mm-hmm. shows, maybe selling individual pieces. I do that too. Yeah. I usually carry a portfolio or two full of original sketches and finished pieces. And whatever grabs their attention, um, a customer will buy an original from me. But most of the time, I sell a lot of prints. A lot of prints. Interesting. And mm, yes, it is. Is that is that something that is like? Um, because I I I don't know the media per se. When you mm-hmm. create these, are a lot of your creations done by hand, or are you mm-hmm. transitioning a lot or at all to? doing it digitally and then like like drawing it digitally are you simply still drawing everything the old-fashioned way everything by hand traditionally old school pencil paper marker acrylic oils whatever it is um, i'm learning digital it's a slow process for me i'm kind of an old dog uh i would say <laughs> very amateur when it comes to digital very amateur so it's not my forte so therefore i stick with traditional um, but I'm learning digital right now. So, um, does this uh, does this play into any sort of a, a dream? Are you? Some people are always trying to expand into a new area. I'm trying to mm. grow and do something new. You seem pretty happy with the convention, uh, the convention lifestyle. Is that the way to put it? Very much. I, we call, we're pretty much convention gypsies. We travel constantly. Uh, go to shows. Pretty much act like a celebrity for the next three, four days. And then we go home and be a regular person. And then we start the whole process all over again three, four days later. So for as a temporary celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> a very temporary, yes, uh, very temporary. Does, does operating out of California where you're at kind of give you an advantage? I mean. Uh, I think it does. I think it does. Um, been in California all my life and I've noticed that Cal- I, I know the market. Uh, I see my conventions, which ones are good, which ones are bad, which ones have been around for longer, who have the best attendance or the best reputation. And California has some of the oldest, largest, most successful shows uh, in the entire state. California is a very rich state. So there's a lot of 
no leisure money. A lot of people have disposable income to go to cons like San Diego Comic Con, Anime Expo, uh, WonderCon in Anaheim, where I live in uh, close to Disneyland. And it seems that a lot of people have fun at cons in California immensely. I do the East Coast, the Midwest, Hawaii, which is in two days. And it seems that California is just chock full of collectors, comic book owners, uh, people who love collecting artwork. And it doesn't hurt that the Marvel and DC universe is now in the movies, and they just fuel the convention circuit. They absolutely fuel it. You've seen a movie, you want to go to a con. If you go to a con, you want to watch a movie. It goes hand in hand. It just does, in my eyes. Yeah, that's kind of a discussion that we've had on some of our casts earlier. Is Dud, like, and you've already kind of answered the question. Mm. Has that has those being especially in the last ten years that movie that movie presence? Do you think mm-hmm. that's generated more, not only more visitors, more maybe even more conventions, but you know, from straight to the bottom line, more revenue, more income for you? Absolutely agree. Absolutely. Whenever a Marvel, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous of kids now because they're now getting announcements that this movie's coming out in five years in advance. They know about it. They know it's being made. Back then, when we were younger, when I was in the you know in my eight, uh, in the eighties, you don't know the movies coming unless you saw a commercial. Now you just go on the internet. Oh, they're making a Doctor Strange movie. Oh, they're making a Marvel movie. Oh, they're making an Avengers movie. And like going, that just fuels the kids. They get excited. They start asking for it. You draw everything. You work with Marvel artists. You work with DC artists. And you see them go, yeah, the income has increased immensely because of the media presence of DC and Marvel and other studios making comic book movies, making fantasy movies like The Hobbit. Lord of the Rings, Avengers, Infinity War, that just fuels everything. And we still have movies coming out every month of something new. And it just really fuels the convention circuit immensely. It's like a big shot of adrenaline, big time. It definitely uh, it definitely seems like it's uh, it feels like a different world uh, when yeah. you're at the conventions. So, so being the individual of the temporary fame, you must uh-huh. have a story or two where you encountered somebody of a more lasting, uh, or or at least more more luminescent brief flame that 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 could be could be interesting. <laughs> Do you have anything like that you could share with us? Um, for example, I mean, like what? Um, for example, meeting stars or. Um Interesting anecdotes that happen to be at shows. In e- either or, or both. Either both, yeah. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Off the top of my head. Oh, my God. It's, I'm being interviewed. I'm blanking right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. There's too many. There's absolutely too many. I mean, I've from the Walking Dead stars to uh, bump into uh, James Marston from Buffy by accident because he was leaving the bathroom. Uh, I do remember, I do remember, uh, what was it, walking to Adam West, God rest his soul, um, I ran into him in New York maybe about eight years ago, before New York Comic Con came along, um, I was at a show, and it's, it's not bad, it's on the pier in New York City, and I'm having a good time, I'm going to the restroom, I'm coming out of the restroom, I bumped to Adam West, I go, oh my god, it's a great Batman actor, Adam West. I put my, he puts his hand up to shake my hand. I, 
I, I'm about to shake his hand, but he fist bumps me. I shake his fist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I just did that. My, that's my 15 seconds of fame with Adam West. Uh, there you go. That 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 is excellent. That's perfect. <laughs> that is definitely good. Now there's in in the convention inside of things. It's there are there are a lot of excellent things that go along with it, but there are also some downsides too. I mean, it is a draining always, in any business in any life. There's always a downside. There's definitely some draining uh, experiences. There's also some drama sometimes, and I don't know if you want to touch on this <laughs> or not. We can touch on that. Touch on anything. There's nothing taboo with me. But uh, at one point for Gen Con in specific, uh, mm. for a long time you were in the artists' alley. Yes. And yes. you are no longer so. Mm-hmm. I heard there was an incident or something happened. Is it interesting enough to touch on or not worth it? Um, I can briefly touch on it. It's nothing serious. It doesn't hurt me in any way. Um, I think there was a misunderstanding between me and the artist alley coordinator, and I was no longer welcome there. I have no hard feelings about it since it's been five, six years. Um, I was ready to move to the dealer's room anyway. So um, the transition of being in the Articelli for 17, 18 years and then no longer allowed to apply, I moved up to the dealer's room, better situation, better money, uh, better everything. And my fans found me even faster. Oh, so yeah. I'm like going, oh, okay. So it worked. Out. And no specifics, but and there's no hard feelings. There's none. It's just business. Yeah. Strictly business. Well, it's kind of funny for anybody that goes to Gen Con for mm-hmm. an extended period of time or any convention, really, uh, you oh, yeah. often have a plan of attack when you're going to the main uh, convention I have, floor. I have a plan A through Z. I am totally prepared for shows. Uh, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm not in my game. But most of the time, I'm like right now, I'm getting ready for Dragon Con, which is one of my best shows. And I'm probably doing 150 sketches. And then I'm finishing up four exclusive prints, which I started last week. And I have to do this all before I leave for Hawaii or do it during Hawaii. Either way, I have to get stuff done. There's no, there's always the game of attack. There's mm. always is. Oh, my but word. sometimes, like any business, you kind of like, not overstep your bounds, but basically you bit off too much and you sacrifice sleep. You sacrifice a lot of things. Uh, believe me, there was a lot of sacrifice to get to this point. A lot of sacrifice, according to my family and my friends and my ex-wife. <laughs> well, there was a lot of sacrifice. If you're gone 46 weekends out of 52, yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> that's going to yeah. take a toll. It's going to eat into you for sure. It will definitely eat into your lifestyle. It will definitely eat into your personal, your romantic lifestyle. It will eat into everything. Anyone who's going to be attached to somebody like that, you definitely you're not going to see them very much. You miss a lot of birthdays. You miss a lot of uh, anniversaries. You miss a lot. So is the, is this if if you had a goal, if you had a timetable, if you had a time frame, like this is your in your lifetime your busiest uh-huh. stretch, right? Where you're just bombing away at all of these. Is there a thing like we're like, well, I hit this age, I'm going to tone it down. I'm going to do twenty Actually, instead of forty. No. Um, I didn't expect to be doing this this long. I thought I was going to sit at some studio, work nine to five, come home, come home to the kids and the wife and all stuff. No, I pretty much became a convention gypsy. I will keep booking shows. I will keep doing shows. And I've seen artists, friends of mine, who are still at it, doing cons well into their 80s. And they're happy. 
They like the travel. They like the attention. The you know they're sitting there signing prints and taking pictures with the fans, and I love that. Totally love it. And I pretty much accepted that's going to be my lifestyle. Um, I had a financial advisor ask me a legitimate question: When do you plan on retiring? I goes, I'm "Not going to retire. I'll probably die at a show." And that's me joking, but most likely that will happen if I'm gone 46 weekends in the year. <laughs> I'll be gone somewhere, being an 83 year old Asian. Sitting there drawing for little kids and just enjoying every minute of it. Absolutely. I'll well, probably have a stroke on the way to a show, <laughs> probably. Well, that just means that you're going to be happy in the process. Uh, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That is my pro- that was that is my viewpoint in life. I like doing cons. Why should I stop doing cons if, if it gives me everything I want and I still have the energy to do it? If I still have the creativity and my vision still holding down and I still have a pencil in my hand, I think you should never stop. Well, I don't I'm, see retirement in my life. I really don't. We're going to have to compare this because we're going to do some comparison notes. Hopefully, here in the next few weeks, we'll be talking to Larry Elmore. Oh, yes. Larry. I love Larry. He's one of my first artists I ever got to meet, and I was awestruck when I first met him. I've known him over 20 years. Yeah. Love him. Yeah. Met him at Gen Con. We'll see, we'll see if he, if he uh, echoes your sentiments. I'm sure he will. He always seems he's like he's having a good time. He's the one that actually comes to mind when I actually think about doing this for a lifestyle because I see him, I believe he's in his 70s, yeah. and he's still going strong, still going strong. I still see him at Dragon Con. I still see him at Gen Con, and we still compare notes. And, and you know, it does wear on you after a while, like any job, but, you, but the good stuff outweighs the bad stuff. Totally. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to talk to him a little after Dragon Con. But you know, I hope so because he, he's like he's a hoot. He's an mm-hmm. absolute hoot. I love drinking with him. Well, no, here's that, and that brings up kind of an interesting question. We talked about mm. your, your circles that you hang out with and the people that you know, mm. but that also kind of leads to who influences your stylistic choices. When I started out. I wanted to work for Marvel, which I never got to until about three years ago. Um, I was a big John John Byrne fan Mm. during the X-Men series during um, the 80s. Alan Davis, Adam Hughes, Frank Cho, um, definitely a Jack Kirby fan. Oh, my God. Um, Got to meet the giant, the the legend, before he passed away. God rest his soul. Really? Um, That's one of my feathers in my cap right there, knowing I got to meet the legend, the king before anybody else they go you met jack kirby he goes yeah i only met him for five minutes but it was like five minutes of absolute heaven especially <laughs> for an inspiring artist to meet a legend like that it's fantastic it, it takes your breath away it really does i just thinking about it is it inspiring me right now to jump on the table right now and start drawing it just does. <laughs> well, hold, hold on, hold on for at least a couple minutes more. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Take your time. Take your time. Believe me, there's plenty of work waiting for me. Plenty of work. I'm looking at a pile of artwork right now as we speak. Go ahead. <laughs> well, that that kind of leads me into a few questions that I'd like to ask that I prefer to call uh, eighth, eighth grade questions. So we talked okay. about your influences, like where, yes. like some of the artists that you like. We want to get a little bit more knowledge on you. Um, you yeah. mentioned earlier you're still collecting comic books. Did I hear that right? Very much so. So Mostly graphic novels. Uh, less comics, more graphic novels. They fit better on my library. They just mm-hmm. do. So <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think I've picked up a current comic in a couple of months. 
but I still pick up the occasional graphic novel at comic book, at comic book shows. So I usually, my collection's pretty large. I have at least five or six bookcases in my library. I probably have well over $150,000 in just books of art books, graphic novels, um, technical manuals, and it's just my collection. I just look at it and just, I'm in awe. Um, I living in LA, I have, um, maintenance people come into my apartment once in a while and they just go, Oh my God, look at this library. Oh my God, look at this collection. I'm built, I'm doing a Godzilla collection in, in my <laughs> library in, in, on top of my library. And it's a, it does, it's pretty much a shrine. I'm a big Godzilla fan and I keep bringing home toys and I got to stop doing that. Okay. No, <laughs> just no, no, no. I have toys everywhere in my office, in my living room. I'm pretty much a gigantic kid. That's all I am. A kid with money, which is a scary, scary combination. Yeah. yeah. So the, <laughs> so these, these uh, graphic novels that you're collecting, let's, let's yeah. go with kind of a, a two-parter. So sure. what are the ones that you are collecting now? What were the ones that you started collecting? Like you're the main group that you started collecting long ago when you first started collecting. Well, when I first started collecting, I was pretty much collecting Marvel figures and McFarlane toys. Kind of grew out at that for a while, but I'm kind of back into it. Um, Did collect a few Funkos. I don't do that anymore because (laughs) that just eats up money right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm big into Godzilla, into the vinyls, into the high-end Japanese toys because the articulation, the design work, it just looks fantastic. And now I'm getting into the statues and that's a whole big money maker right there. Yeah. So, uh, I can only bring home one or two pieces once in a while because you find out that I can't be a major collector anymore because it takes up your house, it takes up your <laughs> entire apartment. And I even sold off some of my collection just to make room for the new stuff. So yes, I'm being a big kid. I just have a very big collection. This means you need a bigger um, house. It just expands everywhere. It just does. It takes over your life. Uh, that's just how it is. You buy comic books, you buy toys. Kind of go hands in hand. So uh, another question I was thinking of, and mm. one of them I know the answer to. Like I, I like to ask just to get a sense on what people do in their in their spare time, and you don't have spare mm. time, so probably don't watch a lot of TV shows or movies on a regular basis. Is that? Yes, I do. Oh, you do? Okay. Yes, I do. So like, um, it, I have two TVs in my apartment right now as we speak in my office. I watch Netflix a lot. I watch a lot of DVDs because when I'm drawing, I watch stuff I already know so I can just background noise. If I watch something new, I can't draw. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's usually a movie I'll watch you know, Lord of the Rings over and over again. I'll let it loop four or five times that night because I'm drawing. And I go, oh, look, there's a fight. Okay, I stop for a few minutes, watch the fight. Oh, it's over. Okay, oh, here's a good part. Stop for a few minutes and then go back to work. I get a lot of work done. When a movie's going, I could finish a good project in about two movies. And I'll just let it loop. And I'll go, okay, I'm not bored. Move on to the next movie. Okay, oh, look, there's Walking Dead. I'll watch that for a little bit and just keep doing it. It just fuels it. Oh, I'm a DVD freak here. I buy a lot. Of, in fact, I picked up three DVDs just yesterday <laughs> at the show at a convention. Hmm. So constantly buying stuff. I think I just bought yeah, I bought Terminator and some other movies and Rick and Morty. 
I need stuff to stimulate me to keep me awake at four o'clock in the morning. Those are some good, some good choices, some good selections there. Is there a yeah. gotta have or a can't live without of uh, movies and or TV shows? Movie wise, uh, it was Walking Dead, but I've seen it so many times. I've you know I've gotten a little tired of it. So uh, basically, anime. I just got into. Last Airbender. I'm one of those mm-hmm. old kids that never got to watch it on TV, oh, so I bought yeah. the box set. Um, Legend of Korra. Now I'm I'm watching Cowboy Bebop right now, and this is all old stuff. It's been around for like 10, 15 years. Yeah, I'm just getting into it. Cowboy Bebop is classic. I love it. I think I'm on disc three right now, so I watch it during dinner when I don't have to draw and then when I'm in my office I'm putting on an old movie I think I've been watching Wreck-It Ralph for like the last four days <laughs> it's just funny easy to do I can hear everything I can follow it and still draw and still get something done without being distracted so I'm going to have to give you one suggestion on this one favorite Go of mine it. in the anime especially I love meta so if you get a chance uh, there's a there's a series called uh, Genshiken and okay. An okay. Anime about kids that like anime. Oh. <laughs> I'll Interesting. Give it a try. What's it called again? Genshiken. Genshiken. Okay, I'll give it a try. I'll Good give stuff. it a try. Good stuff. I'll look into it. Is it on Netflix? Uh, last time I checked, no. It's there's okay. a lot of the best stuff. Just unfortunately, isn't there. But uh, okay. uh, Crunchyroll is a wonderful. Um, wonderful tool it has nearly mm. anything that you could possibly want to watch on it yeah that's an, another thing Crunchyroll has their own show it's in Santa Clara California um, it's actually this weekend mm. but I can't be there because I'm in Hawaii that weekend doing a different show so yeah that, that's rough yeah, that's, a, that's another thing <laughs> about the market we're seeing a lot of companies starting their own conventions I have to have to wonder how much how much you will be able to do that before there is a bit of an overtaxing of the system. It will always be overtaxed. Um, I've noticed certain shows that are now um, overstepped their bounds, and it was like they get, it got out of control. It's like the grill in the room. It's, it's too big. It's overwhelming. San Diego Comic-Con alone has a logistics problem, and that's a great show. Don't get me wrong. I love that show. I, I've done it for the last 31 years. And it's just, it's too big, it's too loud, <laughs> it's just too expensive. It's one of those shows that everyone wants to go to, but unfortunately not everyone can go because they just don't have the luck to get the tickets. They just don't. And, you know, it's a great show, don't get me wrong. It's given me a, years and years of fun, but it's, it's tiring. It's a very long five-day show. Well, there could and it's be brutal. It's brutal too. Yeah, there could be an interesting question right there. You've been going mm. to that convention for thirty-one years. I have yet to be lucky enough to go to that particular convention. Let's see if I can get you in. What? I'll see what I can do. Well, yeah, I'm always up Let's for that. Do too. it. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> so it's not the same convention that it was a long time ago. When? No. When did that major shift happen? Where where it kind of uh, graduated away from being more of a comic book show to being more of a media show. I think what happened was somewhere in the early 2000s, right after 9-11, when the Marvel movies started getting better and bigger, and they started, to, I, I think Spider-Man took off around 2003. That sounds right. And it was like a billion dollar movie. I mean, it's like they were talking about how 
Spider-Man's the big thing. It's the number one movie of all time. That kind of stuff of that year. And the studios stood up and took notice. And they were realizing, we have to promote this. Why not go to a convention and buy up a lot of space? Shows have now become pop culture centers instead of combo shows. They now have studios taking up dealers' tables. Um, Artist alleys are getting smaller and smaller because artists can't afford to get the tables because they're too expensive. They would rather sell the space to dealers who can afford two, three thousand dollars compared to an artist who will only drop a couple hundred dollars. It's just not worth it. It's all. It's also a business thing to sell. You know, they'll sell sideshow, uh, side a bunch of tables, a booth, uh, DC, Marvel. Um, I remember seeing some studios like Sony having their own booths hmm. at Comic-Con. And they just basically eat up a lot of space. So the luck of the draw, that's all it is. I'm surprised. I'm still survived actually coming in. But I've seen over the years, the price is going up. Every year it goes up to a point that, oh, is it worth it? Yeah, and most of the time you say ninety percent of the time you say it's worth it. I, I need to go. It's the industry. I have to be there. But some people have gotten down. The, you know, we're down on sales and the table prices are going up. Is it worth it? Maybe we should skip a year. A lot of shows are like that. People are finding out that there's too many shows sometimes. On average, I was talking to an industry guy. He told me there was like nine hundred shows annually each year. That's a lot of conventions. That's nuts. Now is that Europe, like Europe, Japan, all? China, America especially. America is probably the number one market. Um, I only do 46 shows, but when there's 900 shows that I haven't touched on, I went, wow, there's one in Belgium. Hmm. There's two in Paris. There's one in Luca, Italy. There's a ton in Japan, which I've never touched um there's six i think in australia so there's a show everywhere no matter what weekend it is no matter where you are in the country there's a show going on that's that's insane and when you say 900 you're talking about just game related gaming comic book fantasy literature you name it there's 900 conventions going on at one time each year annually these are shows that have been going on year after year after year and you realize i mean people are shocked when they go to comic-con for the first time they go how come i've never gone to this show before because it's been around for over 50 years since 1968 when it was a small room in a hotel in downtown san diego artists had um folding tables card tables working on there i had a friend who teaches comic books in San Francisco, and he's an actual professor, and he teaches comic books, the history of comic books. He, <laughs> he was at one uh, San Diego in 1971. He got to see Jack Kirby and Frank Fazetta sitting there drawing. Wow. This is way before anyone got into this collecting thing. When you see greats like that just sitting at a card table doing free sketches, Man, that would be fantastic. That's incredible. I wish I was there. I wish I was a fly on the wall to see that. that I was too young. I was only five. <laughs> but to see, but to see a legend that you revere now, you see his name attached to a movie, or he's created this, or he's the king of his genre, and he's sitting at a 
coffee table, a, a card table, doing a drawing of Spider-Man for a little kid, and go, wow, that's 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 all. It's puts me in awe. Just absolutely, just astounds me. That, that's nuts. You're talking mm-hmm. about John Byrne because I remember as a kid, I was mm. uh, seeing his run on the West Coast Avengers and just yeah. The, the stylistic changes that happened because it, it was never a bad book, but when he took it out, took it over, it was just a completely refreshing, crisper, mm-hmm. uh, very, very, um, very dynamic kind of a style. And that, and that always kind of played to me. Of course, that was around the time he always brought in interesting ideas. I don't know if he was the one behind it or not, but I remember the uh, Great Lakes Avengers appeared around that time <laughs> you know what? I don't remember that very cl- I remember West Coast Avengers I remember the uh, regular Avengers I remember Excalibur no no wait Excalibur somebody else um, yeah. I'm talking about um, um, what was it called Alpha Flight yeah, yeah Alpha Flight yeah during the 80s yes I loved Alpha Flight he was doing Man of Steel and they went into Alpha Flight I think after that <laughs> Yeah. I love his run from Man of Steel. Yeah, um, no, that I was... I think one of his few uh, DC um, stints. That was right uh, after the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Reboot. Yes, I love that one, too. Oh, my God. I love his pencil work. I mean, I remember uh, a story. I was, I think I was 14 or 15 years old. I wanted one of, the, the, I wanted one of his first X-Men books. I think it was like 104 or 105 when, you know, Wolverine was introduced and Colossus was introduced. Yeah. And there's this one where basically this book was worth $26. During that time for a 14-year-old, back in the 70s, that's a lot of money. Yes. 26 bucks okay, yes. for a comic book. Yeah. And I plopped it down, no problem. I wanted that book. I read that book. I still have that book. Still read it. Still <laughs> love it. Still love the history of that. I think that's one of the reasons why people like going to conventions. It's not just buying stuff. It's memories. Yes, definitely. I remember so. buying this sketch. I remember buying this comic book. I remember meeting David Wong. I remember getting a photo with him. Um, um, he talks to my kids. He, he he has fun with everybody in my family, and we love watching. I've seen kids grow up from five years old all the way up to like 30, 40, where they have kids of their own, and now they're buying stuff from me. And I, it's like, I can't believe I've seen maybe four generations of people at my booth and they just keep getting older and younger and they just keep <laughs> coming. It's like an ongoing tidal wave of people. And I think that's another reason why it fuels me because I'm happy to see my fans, but the city goes, yeah, this is my son. This is his first show. And they give me the greatest compliments by saying, you're the most entertaining artist there. You're the only person my son bought from. He walked through the whole convention center, didn't like anything want to come back to your table and i go i take that as a great compliment i'm i'm happy to be an artist i'm happy to be in the convention circuit um, i almost became a farmer my parents are farmers um hmm. for 40 years they just retired and i didn't like farming uh, i hate to say that dad mom i'm sorry about <laughs> that but i never liked farming so it wasn't it wasn't the thing for me and i wanted a way out and art was it and it worked out thank god <laughs> Well, I'm thankful, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. So we we, we, we ask a, a few questions about the, you know your comic books, your TV shows. I'll dive into sure. one more. Uh, are, you a, are you a music person? Yes, I am. Okay, so... Totally 80s. 
totally to, 80s. Totally 80s, okay. So, oh, yeah. I was going to oh, yeah. like it. And some 90s. Uh, the new stuff just doesn't click for me. It just doesn't. Um, maybe it's just the old man in me. But I've, I've grown up with, you know, Duran Duran and the Oingo Boingo and all that stuff. And that, that, was, that was the thing that really fueled me. My iPod is full. Yes, I still have an iPod. Uh, it's an old one, too. Hmm? It's full of 80s music. And I just it's it a loop classic. constantly. Yeah, it is. It, I, iPod classic. <laughs> iPod classic. Ken, Ken's got one of those. <laughs> That's right. I do. You can't go wrong with classic. You really can't. The 80s was the – I'll argue with anybody in this world. The 80s was the best era. It just was. Okay? You got the 90s, you can't even remember the bands. They're gone. But the 80s, they're all like, the bands are still together. When you talk about the Talking Heads, they have well over 30 albums. Okay? Yeah. Well, you know, bon Jovi, 90s bands. Uncle Blango, I mean, you're, you're seeing a, a band that went from doing regular punk music to now doing s- scores for movies, Danny Elfman has won an Oscar for that. Yeah. And he's still one of the most influential music people in the industry. And people go, he was in a punk band? Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's actually one of the few people I really, really love. You know, it'd be an honor to meet him. Yeah. We never know. He, I mean, he does a lot of the, a lot of those uh, soundtracks, a lot of the music. Oh, yes, for he does. Us, so. Yes, he does. I ran into a kid. This is another thing. You you see, you have stories that cross over. I ran into some teenage kid. He must have been about 17, 18 years old. He just graduated. And he just told me that Danny Elfman sat my yearbook. I was at graduation. <laughs> this is like two weeks before a con. He's talking to me saying, I went to my graduation. I got my cap and gown and everything. And I bumped into Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman's daughter was graduating in his class. Wow. <laughs> so he's like, oh my God, it's Danny Elfman. And he signed his yearbook. He goes, I can't believe this. He goes, I barely know his daughter. I've met her a couple of times. But to meet Danny Elfman at a high school graduation, and I don't I, know if that's true or not, but I believe it. I man. totally believe it. And I would even wonder what, what high school kid would actually know who Danny Elfman is at this point. Uh, a lot of kids do because of the Tim Burton movies yeah. and all his soundtrack stuff. And he's got tons of music out past Oingo Boingo. I think he has 10 albums. And now he's on his 36th movie or more than that. I can't remember, but he's just a big influence on me yeah, for the is, longest time. He's all over the place. Oh, I love his work. Absolutely love it. All right. Well... Well, since this is so late for you, and I know you've got a lot of work ahead of you. Ah, I'm not even worried about it. <laughs> well, also because while while it's uh, probably, what, 11.30 where you are now? Yes, it is. 11.31. Uh, uh, 2.30 on our side. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You guys need to get some sleep. <laughs> Just, oh, yeah. Well, you, you know, we don't mind. We got a little work ahead of us still. but uh, I actually didn't know that. I'm so sorry. I <laughs> we should have done this a lot earlier. My apologies, gentlemen. That's, that is quite fine. We, we will take any opportunity we can to speak with interesting people. Absolutely. But, I, uh, I'm, it's nice to be thought of that as an interesting person, well enough to stay up past 2.30 in the morning. Absolutely. So hopefully you will join us again at some point. I know I'm going to run into you again. and We'll, we'll uh, definitely uh, continue our conversation and, and deep uh, maybe uh, uh, dive a little deeper into it. But I want to thank you so much for coming on the show with us. It's an honor. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you. Is, is there any type of 
Um, uh, so, so this podcast won't be up for maybe a, a week or so. Yeah. Uh, maybe, okay. maybe next week. Is there anything like a web page, Facebook page, or any type of thing you want to give a shout out to right before uh, on we? Facebook, Facebook, Facebook.com slash art of David Wong. Uh, like I said, I don't have a lot of social media <laughs> yep. output right there. So therefore you can reach me anytime out of Orange County, California. You'll see me at the nearest show. You can't miss me. Yeah. I'm the loud Asian artist that's screaming and having fun with the kids. Well, this should hopefully <laughs> air before Dragon Con. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So. Send me the information and I'll have it uh, logged. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you again and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you.